Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Geek Impulse Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Sexton, here with my co-host, Stephen, as well. And we have the pleasure of having a good friend of mine, Justin, on, who is probably the the most, at least that I know of, but probably, to be quite honest, the most authority when it comes to horror films. I mean, he you can see by the, by the back, his backdrop, right? He eats, sleeps, horror films. Am I, am I correct? Oh, definitely. It's I wake up in the morning and watch a horror movie, usually on most any other day. <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. So that's that's why I have you here because I think this is a good uh, a good one for you know Halloween's coming up, right? Which I think is pretty cool. Um, and I, I figured there's nobody else better that I know to have on than you. So I figured you know maybe um, for the Geek Impulse people that might be watching us on YouTube or the ones that will be listening to it on the podcast, maybe if you can just kind of. Give a quick rundown of, I guess, who you are, uh, where to find you on social media, and then also how this all came about, the the, the passion for horror. Uh, for sure. Well, uh, basically, I am generally pretty easy to find. I have a Twitter, which is uh, Head of uh, Gore. I'm also on uh, Instagram as JustinHead01. I have a YouTube channel, uh, Slasher Films. Uh, and if, if anything, we can probably put a link, link somewhere on this or something. And as well as a Vimeo and a website through, uh, Wix.com. Okay. And then I have a Facebook page for my production company, Slasher Films. Okay. So I have definitely more than a few ways to be found on social media. Awesome. And as far as, um, the passion for horror movies go and making them as well, it just started in, uh, like, when I was about nine years old, I decided I wanted to make movies, and it wasn't until my early teens, like, say, about 13, 14, that I started to watch horror movies, like, a lot of the slasher movies, the original Friday the 13th hmm. film series, Halloween movies, and then started to get into a lot of the black and white horror movies, and that's when I started to just develop this love for everything from, like, the gothic atmosphere in certain horror movies to... Lost of the gore and you know the cabin, cabin of the woods type settings and such, and it just made me want to explore that and the possibility of making some of those films and just recreating what I love about those types of movies and films and whatnot. Awesome. So that's that's good to know. I think that's pretty informative. How about um, let's get into you know. Some of the some of the films that inspired you. I know we kind of talked about some things that you wanted to cover, and I think that's pretty good. Where, where would you like to start today? Ooh, and that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's a loaded question. Um, well, I <laughs> I guess let's start back with the uh, the classics. Just some of the older black and white films from like '30s up until like the early '50s, somewhere around there. Okay. Okay. Um, what are some of your favorites? Well, uh, one of my favorite horror movies of all time is the original Dracula with uh, Bela Lugosi from 1931. Okay. Is that the one with Todd Browning, I think his name is? Uh, yeah. the uh, He was the director, yeah. All right. Yeah, and so that's, that's a film that I first saw when I was like 13. It was on Turner Classic Movies, and just the thing that immediately just grabbed me was the Again, the gothic ambiance, like these scenes of Dracula in his castle, is covered in cobwebs, vampires slowly coming out of their coffins with fog swooping in through the scene, and just these pushing shots they would do on the lead actor, Bill Lugosi, with these hypnotic eyes of his, which is something that grabbed me when I first saw that movie. And just the overall slow ambience of the movie that is what really drew me into it when I first saw it. Uh, I mean, uh, it kind of sounds like what I got when I first seen like Nosferatu or like, or a, like a zombie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are two of some of my favorite classics. Those are also great ones as well. Cool. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, so, like, that, with, with those ones, I mean, I think that a lot of the original films that kind of paved the way. Uh, by the way, can everybody hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. cool. Um, 
I was getting a bit of an echo, like a feedback. I think my mic was too close to the speakers, perhaps. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but uh, no, I think some of those um, those classics really paved the way. But I feel like a lot of horror films these days have kind of lost and it might be off topic because we're kind of being chronological in a, in a sense with all these films but i feel and maybe you can uh, chime in on that justin but i feel like a lot of the films these days are either just trying to rehash the old stuff nothing really original and or just kind of i don't know they're, they're not very scary like there is a i think it was called veronica for example there's this movie i think it's called veronica it takes place in like spain or something uh, it was on Netflix. Everybody's saying it was the most scariest movie out there, right? I watched that, and I was like, no. I got more scared as a kid watching Dolls than I did. With- <laughs> right. Is that the movie where they're hunting that, like, poltergeist in those apartments? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I think I took a look at that one as well. And, you know, that brings up a point. But, I mean, I don't think the whole genre is lost right now. Like, um, I mean, I haven't seen the new Halloween. We'll get into Halloween in a little bit. But um, have you seen a Netflix movie called Before I Wake? It's actually a really good one if you haven't seen it. That's I haven't seen it myself either. I, I'm probably one of the few people on the planet Earth that does not have Netflix, actually. Yeah, no worries. No worries. But <laughs> it's worth a watch. But what, I, what I'm saying is is that you know, you've seen the more modern movies, right? So Oh yeah. What what do you think is the, the really the big difference between the classics and what's going on now in modern times in 2017, 18, etc. that you feel, is it, is it actually progressing on the genre or is it really regressing back and not really doing anything original or, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's hard to say. It's kind of a bit of both. It's progressing in a way because it is taking us away from, what's happening now with a lot of the cheaper horror movies that are uh, even worse than the cheaper horror movies that came out before, because <laughs> even those had a sense of quality to them. Uh, but it's taking us away from the more jump scare heavy movies and such that are coming out and, you know, having mass audience of teenagers going to see. But at the same time, there is a bit of that regression happening that isn't yeah it isn't really taking us in a new direction it's taking us to a familiar road that we're all welcoming towards but at the same time it's yeah it's not really saying anything that's giving any lasting power to the future hmm. like i like even something like uh, a movie that just came out recently hereditary oh, has that, yeah. yes it has it has both of those where it does go back to sort of the simpler formula of just building on atmosphere, having these mostly subtle scares, but at the same time, it's not really doing anything to really bring its own voice. Basically it doesn't really have as much to say as something back in the day, like the original night living dead, or even looking amongst my, collection of films uh texas chainsaw massacre mm, yeah right which is another movie they remade a lot of times in the horror genre correct <laughs> oh definitely whether it's sequels reboots sequels that ignore everything else before it except the first one <laughs> right. what do you what do you think about uh what do you think about reboots of older films that's it they can be done like anything, they can be done well and they can be done poorly, in my opinion. Like, there's a remake of a, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, Suspiria, that's coming out next month in November. It looks like it's taking some of the story elements of the original, but at the same time, it's also doing its own thing and kind of creating its own voice. Kind of similar to some of other horror movies that have come out previously, like John Carpenter's The Thing is a remake of a 50s right. I mean go ahead I'm sorry I mean oh, no, I was just gonna say that that just did its own thing basically yeah. right but I mean like some remakes are good like John Carpenter's The Shining is like the classic right oh and yeah it's before oh, that yeah. that's the one that's record or the is it Shining or The Thing uh The Thing okay The Thing <laughs> yeah isn't that the one that's like looked at as the main one but it's a remake correct or it is yeah it's it's considered yeah, yeah. one of the best 
Right. And uh, it's, um, yeah, for, and basically for every good horror remake, there's a few bad ones here and there. Like some good ones I can think of are, of course, like I said, John Carpenter's The, Th- John Carpenter's the Thing or the Night of the Living Dead remake was actually from like the early 90s. wasn't that bad either. Um, but then there's other ones like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake I wasn't a fan of. And Rob Zombie's Halloween is... Yeah, what, nah. is that what even was, Halloween? I mean, yeah, it's what co- was that? Right? <laughs> what was that film? That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> that. Uh, I don't know where the idea came from for that. That was <laughs> go ahead and be brutally honest. Be brutally honest about Rob Zombie's Halloween. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna lie. The as a whole, the movie's a mess. It doesn't work fully. But I do admire Rob Zombie for at least trying something different with the first half of the movie. Mm. What I don't like is when the second half becomes... Because the first half is like a, almost like a prequel focusing on Michael Myers as a kid and his origin. The second half literally becomes a retelling of the original movie. Oh, okay. But if it was garbage. <laughs> if it was exploitation trash from the 70s. <laughs> so... You know, touching on Halloween, and I know we're kind of bouncing everywhere, but touching on Halloween, for example, there's been so many of those films. Wh- who do you think is the better franchise? You have Freddy Krueger, which they're actually, I hear they're going to be redoing. So you have Freddy Krueger, you have Mike Myers, you have all this stuff. Where do you see this going? Who has the best franchise, do you think? Is that too tough to say? <laughs> it's... Uh... <laughs> I might have to give it to, might have to give it to Halloween because I love most of the Friday, most of all, all the Friday Thirteenth movies. But when I look back at them now, it's only the first four movies that I absolutely love all the way through, and the rest of the franchise just has these great moments that I remember. Gotcha. And as a kid, I thought, "Oh, these movies are great." Now when I look at them, I'm like, "No, it's just these few moments here and there." Whereas Halloween. I can say I at least have like five movies I can count on my hand, or I'm sorry, six movies I can count that I actually enjoy, good or bad. Right, and it isn't Halloween one of the few franchises that actually has its own convention? I was actually there a couple weeks ago at the Halloween convention. It was the 40th, I guess. It comes around every five years. It was kind of interesting. That's right. I heard about that. I didn't get a chance to go to that when it was around myself, but. And, uh, you know, and in Pasadena, they also had this uh, gallery called Return to Haddonfield uh, that basically had, like, all these uh, pictures of the Halloween movies and such. Right. Yes. But, you know, it's, uh, it seems that Halloween has been one of the few that's actually kind of had a lasting impact on pop culture, especially because each one kind of tries to do something different as, as it goes along. Uh Personally, for me, the only ones that I actually like are Halloween's 1, 2, 4, and uh, H20. And then the newest one. Oh, so you did see the newest one? I did. I Opening night, actually. <laughs> okay. How, how was that? I I like it. It, it makes the top... Uh, like, if there's, there's eight movies in the franchise, if I'm remembering correctly, it breaks into the top three, at least. Okay, so, so it's worth a watch, then. Definitely, it's. I'd say seven out, seven and a half out of ten. I definitely say check it out. It, it's a lot of okay. fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out myself. Um, like I said, it was nice because uh, I think I actually ran into Jamie Lee Curtis, and there's a few other people actually at the convention. You know, so that was really nice. It was something I didn't even know. You know, I just kind of got thrown into it. Oh, nice. Was uh was Nick Castle there as well, or? Uh... Yeah, I believe so. I think the only person that wasn't there was John Carpenter. I think he was out in Europe at the time, or the UK, doing something. Well, didn't I saw an interview, and I have to I'll have to look it up and research it. But wasn't John Carpenter like giving some uh like kind of upset about remakes right now or something like that? Like, oh, they're remaking f- one of the the films that he did, and they're remaking it, and he's like, I hope they ask me to be on the project because I don't want them to screw it up or something like that. I think that might be big trouble in little China. Okay. So that's different. (laughs) That's not really a horror (laughs) film. Different movie, but (laughs) 
Different movie. I thought it was uh, one of the other films he did. Oh, yeah. Well, he did direct that, though, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. But you know what I mean? Like, so maybe you can define the difference between a thriller and a horror film. Like, and do they intertwine? They they definitely can intertwine. It is um, possible, especially something like the original Halloween or even um, a movie like the original Psycho could definitely be considered a thriller. Because to me, a horror movie can ride that fine line between uh, sticking to reality and, you know, keeping things grounded like the two movies I just mentioned. But they also have that leeway to move into the supernatural, either have a movie that's entirely supernatural, a movie that's entirely grounded in reality, or a movie that kind of rides that fine line between the two. Whereas a thriller, I I would say, definitely tends to stick more grounded okay. most of the time, if anything. Right. I mean, I guess they're similar in the way they make you kind of feel uneasy emotions. Definitely. Yeah. That's the best way that I put it. And also, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was... You can go ahead. It's all good. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I mean, because, like, the horror genre itself is split up into so many different things. You know, like slasher films, for example. <laughs> you know, oh, or yeah. you have your basic horror films. It might even be something as stupid. Like, one of my favorite John Carpenter movies is Vampires. Oh, you nice. That one. I mean, it's technically a horror film in the way because it deals with that. But, I mean, it's different from a Halloween movie. Definitely, that's and that's one that's been a while since I've seen myself. Uh, a few years. Sorry about that. You probably but, heard a. Uh, you know, with, you probably heard a. Uh, probably, I think it was a Lamborghini or something. So I do apologize because I've got the window open. Oh no, it's all good. It's kind of a hot day, but you know, with uh, with horror movies, it it can be intertwined with most any other genre, just because there are so many sub-genres to choose from. So it can intertwine with, you know, thrillers or in the case of vampires where it's also a little bit of a Western and such. Right. So there's definitely some jumping around in between in the horror movie genre. Gotcha. Okay, and, uh, well, I mean, to get back to where we were, I mean, we stopped off after you talked about Dracula. I know we wanted to kind of go chronologically. We haven't done that. But what about <laughs> some of your other films that kind of transitioned into what we know as horror films these days? Like you're saying, from the 50s, I guess, on to like the 60s and the 70s. Oh, yeah. it's Well, going right along, um, one of the last ones I want to touch on uh, from, or the last two I want to touch on from the 30s, there's the original uh, Frankenstein, which I feel like while Dracula definitely got the gothic things started it was really frankenstein that started to bring in the whole notion of the mad scientist and took the gothic style even further with things like you know the long dark shadows that we normally think of with those old black and white horror movies and you know bringing people back from the dead and such and one of the other ones though that i feel like also took things even further was a little movie that I like to watch year-round and around Halloween time uh, called Freaks. It, okay. Yeah, is that the one with the, t the twins that are conjoined that are actually in it? I can't remember their name. Yeah, it's uh, – I'm having a hard time myself, but there are conjoined twins in the movie. Twins or something? Yeah, it's, there's, there's twins. There's uh, the uh, – there's a group of uh, dwarf actors that are uh, brother and sister. They were like a, a singing troupe and – uh, there was the bearded lady. There, basically, all these people that were actually in sideshow attractions at the time were actually in this movie. And right. so, those, and just those the in the movie, those were like actual people that were from the circus. Yeah, the I mean, um, the two girls that I was mentioning, I think their name. I, I think I have it here. They're Daisy and Violet Hilton. That's them. Actually, yeah. Yeah, they're actually in the movie, and I watched a documentary on them. It showed their life after the movies and how they kind of lived. They got famous and then fell into obscurity before they passed away. You should uh, watch it. It's pretty interesting. Oh, wow. But yeah, the film kind of dealt with people like that. They were actually in the traveling circus at the time, I guess you could say. No, definitely. And the director of the movie, who also did uh, Dracula, Todd Browning, had worked in the side show in the circus 
attractions and such. And so he was able to basically work, make this movie based on his own personal experience. And so, and it's interesting because just for most of the movie, it's this, uh, almost like this drama where this, one of the, uh, dwarves in the movie, Harry Earls is in love with this, uh, tall woman named Cleopatra who's using him for, uh, his money. And when they get married, she poisons him, but he manages to survive. And so he gets together with the other uh, performers. And on this dark, stormy night, when the all the wagons just crash in this uh, in the woods, where it's just all wet and slop, messy, and thunderstorms and all that, and they attack uh, the tall woman Cleopatra. And later, you see what they did to her. And this is probably one of the earliest movies to show something like this because they basically deformed her. So they cut off one of her eyes, cut out her tongue, cut out both of her legs and turn her into this uh, a bird woman. So like when you see her later in uh, her, basically her little area, she's squawking, you know, at the audience is looking down at her. And it's this image that always got, got to me and never left me. And it made me just fall in love with, the movie because <laughs> of that and so i feel like that in a way kind of paved way for later movies in the 70s that you know did similar things with like torture and gore and whatnot like uh what do you think about uh, house of wax house of wax is one of my favorite vincent price movies of all time uh that's saw that when i was like about 20, something like that on Turner Classic Movies. And it's one that does the whole gothic atmosphere, but in color this time. And it's just, to me, it's one of Vincent Price's best performances where he's just this madman that owns a wax museum that he's starting to fill back up after it burned down in a fire at the beginning of the movie it was burned down by his old uh, business partner with him in it. And so now he's starting to fill up the museum with all these dead people encased in wax. And so that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's another, to, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say not to take away from it, but how'd you feel about the version with Paris Hilton? <laughs> I like it when she dies. <laughs> I, just, I just had to ask. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's that's really all I have to say about that version. I she has a great death scene where she's. I think it's she gets like an axe driven through her eye or something like that, and then I know she gets encased in wax later. Hmm. Which it seems that's the only thing that they take away in that remake is the fact that they encase a lot of these dead people in wax. And <laughs> what about the real, so the real wax so the museum real wax. is actually wax, correct? It's nothing like so, yeah. like they don't put actual dead people in wax. Because you know there's a wax museum in L.A., right? There's, oh yeah, it's, it's made all entirely of wax, right? You never know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's only one way to find out. You know, just take like a sharp tool and just kind of start scraping away, see if anything you know comes out underneath. Because supposedly, if it's encased in wax, it's going to be preserved for a long time. Mm, wow. <laughs> Interesting. And so, I guess moving, moving along from House of Wax, one horror film that I actually rewatched recently that actually did have quite an impact on me, it's, to me, one of the scariest movies I've actually ever seen. It's called uh, The Haunting. Wait, wait, wait. You you watch horror films with a passion like all the time, but this movie yeah. actually scared you. It did actually. <laughs> Elaborate. How how did this film? It's aside from other films. How did this film scare you more than anything else? For sure. Well, just kind of kind of go briefly into detail about the haunting. It's a haunted house movie, black and white movie from the sixties about people staying in this house that has a long history of just horrible tragedies happening. And so these paranormal investigators go into the house, or I'm sorry, eight paranormal investigators and a bunch of volunteers go in to kind of basically examine the house and all these things start to happen. 
uh, such as pounding on the door and ghosts bending the door inward. And the thing that scares, that actually scared me about the movie was starting out, you start to hear about some of the ways that the people in the house before were driven insane. And, hmm. You know, so there's just like. <laughs> no, I was going to say, before your cat came in, did you see when he was talking about it? How <laughs> yeah, gorgeous the door started opening up. I was trying to say it. Like, oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not a big deal. It's just like you're you're talking about like, the oh my god behind you. Yeah, talking about the hunting. <laughs> I thought it was turning into a horror film right now. <laughs> this cat's not actually here. She's uh <laughs> she's a figment of our imagination. But no, it's just um <laughs> it's just how with this movie it really gets into mental illness. And the curses are all kind of attributed to mental illness and how they really affect, at first, the family members that lived in this house before these paranormal investigators. And, and then from there, you start to see the main character, who's one of the volunteers, start to slowly go insane. And you're almost like, let me get... <laughs> Brief intermission. Yes. Apologies. I'll start back from the top on this. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, no worries. <clears throat> Just keep going from where you so, were. It's no big deal. No worries. But so basically, when we go to the main character, who's one of the volunteers, uh, she slowly starts to become almost one with the house and its family, mem its family members, its heritage, its curses. And basically she slowly starts to just go insane and come unraveled. And that's the thing that always gets me more than, you know, zombies or coming unhinged and uh, going insane. That's it's more internal stuff. that really gets to I me. Mean, the side of it. Is that why psycho touches so many heartstrings with people? I, I would definitely say yes. Cause Someone like Norman Bates, who's seems a little more normal in the beginning of the movie until he starts to talk about his hobbies, such as taxidermy, bird stuffing. And as the movie goes along, you you know what you find out about Norman Bates. It kind of feeds into that and the idea of someone who seems so normal that could also be hiding something behind closed doors, hmm. like a being a homicidal person that dresses up like his mother and uh, kills people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's so. With that being said, it's it's kind of on topic, but have you personally, and maybe this is too personal, but have you personally experienced any kind of unexplained situation in your own personal life that made you potentially even question your own sanity? And did you think that maybe you're watching too many horror films? Or is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I had a story for this one, but uh, I, I don't actually. No, it's <laughs> I think my mind, after watching all these horror movies, is just so warped that it, it can barely be touched by anything outside of myself. <laughs> okay. So... So it's really something like the haunting that really just gets to me. That's mostly it. <laughs> so, you know, because we're, we're called Geek Impulse, right? So we cover lots of different things that I, I would say you're definitely a horror geek or would I be wrong to say that? Most of. Uh, no, that, that's on topic. That's about right. Right. So. <laughs> oh, we cover fandom. We can yeah, say that. Fandom, fandom as well. But you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think that I, I see as though maybe – uh, there is a a growing culture within the horror genre that we might not have seen ten years ago. It really seems like it's starting to to grow. Or am I mistaken with that? No, I I wouldn't say you're uh, you're mistaken. I mean, because there's been things lately that have kind of started to bring horror back into the mainstream, such as. Uh, and maybe this is a little more extreme than anything, but the show Stranger Things, yeah, which is one of the few things on Netflix I have seen because I have the Blu-ray set of it. But you know, it's, which that also brought the these nostalgia 
kick with it. But at the same time, it is bringing back a lot of these older horror movies. Like, you know, it has a lot in common with Poltergeist and, uh, you know, movies like The Thing and such. So, and on top of that, you have shows like uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, based off the Evil Dead movies, that for a while was even more popular than uh, Walking Dead. I heard it actually had higher ratings on on the channel it was airing on stars than yeah. walking dead did at the time that show was airing. Yeah. So I feel like it's definitely, uh, slowly starting to have a bit of a resurgence outside of its own, uh, fandom and community. Uh, cause, and especially the place that I work at in San Clemente, I've talked to more than enough people that have seen to go to see horror movies, good or bad, you know, I, know a whole warehouse of people that went to see the nun which i i didn't see myself but well i think for me definitely like, shows the outgrowth yeah so there's definitely exceptions i think but one of my theories is is that the reason why i feel like it's also getting more popular is because and i don't want to get like too deep into it but i feel like there is a lot of mental illness right now within society in america at least where, hmm. you know, this is this is definitely an issue, and people are turning to horror films because they can almost relate. <laughs> <This is funny. laughs> Sadly, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I uh, I would actually kind of agree with that in a way because. My own personal experience, I've found that there's been some horror movies that maybe not in the extreme level that they mean, but something like uh, The Shining, Jack Nicholson, you know, bouncing, bouncing a tennis ball off the walls. I remember watching that when I was having some very intense uh, writer's block, and that's what Jack Nicholson is going through at the time in that movie. So it was kind of one of those things that I realized when I was watching, I was like, you know, maybe not quite to the extent that Jack Nicholson would do later in the movie, chasing his family around with an axe, but for that period of time in the movie, I feel what Jack Nicholson is going through <laughs> with the rise block and just having no motivation to come up with anything. Hmm. And I guess we can give another example. You know, it's and just with uh, like the new Halloween breaking box office records, you know, recently. So there's definitely something there with people looking for that escape right i mean i mean to tie it into like the mental health i mean he was searching for the girl that he was going to kill next is because he liked the softness of a woman's voice correct and it kind of reminded him when he's seen her interact with her brother that a uh, kind of what he did correct isn't that kind of why he was chasing her for so long that's kind of a mental health thing i mean he had mental health issues oh and uh i'm sorry which one i, I didn't oh, know. And halloween oh and halloween yeah, yeah. myers yeah, no, I'm, I think it was more just the, uh, it was that and the obsession of just killing off everybody in, the, in that bloodline and such. Well, right. Yeah, it's... So what, what do you, yes. why don't you, uh, you know, because I have you here, I want, I want people to get to, you know, you're already building quite uh, the rapport within the film industry, especially with regards to um, horror. So why don't you uh, tell us, you know, some of your, I've, I've watched your stuff, I like it obviously. Um, and so why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us more about the work you're doing right now? Some of the stuff you've done, what you've learned, maybe even if you could give some advice to aspiring filmmakers of horror, um, or any filmmaker for that matter, some advice as far as what to do and, and yeah. What do you think? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, yeah, just to give a brief kind of, uh, outlining of, the films I've done as of late, they've, for years, I've been, I've been doing horror movies for the last uh, 10 years, or actually a little over now, and they've been in different genres, but I feel like my current output has been more focused towards kind of paying homage to the stuff that came in the past, like 80s horror movies, 70s horror movies, and before that, while also each one of my films has had kind of a satirical side to it, 
kind of social commentary angle, such as uh, one of my films, uh, Renaissance, about a fashion model going insane and having these hallucinations <laughs> that her uh, skin is falling apart. <laughs> That's That was a film that I made uh, as a tribute to 80s horror movies, particularly movies like uh, The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah, everybody, and, loves, everybody loves The Fly. My, my uh, fiancé loves The Fly. She loves <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. It's, it's a classic. I rewatched it recently. It's amazing. And, um, but it's also exploring, you know, the, the horrors of the uh, fashion industry, which I had read some stuff about it before making the film. And basically in terms of the whole social commentary, it feeds into that as well as the fear of uh, age with this character whose skin's falling apart, which is basically kind of similar to aging, which is sort of a way of uh, kind of being becoming decrepit and disintegration and such. And so there's been that film as well as another film I made after that called I Laugh on the Outside, which was a slasher movie. And that focused on an actress who goes after the uh, film production company that ruined her life. And so that kind of taps into some something that myself and a few friends of mine were going through at the time that we were all having there was a brief time when I was trying to get into acting as kind of a kind of way to bring in funds to make my films gotcha. as well as a few other acting friends of mine. So it was kind of that feeling of having that outlet, wanting to go into that career, but then always getting uh, shut down and, you know, not, not being able to make it work. So that, that kind of fed into that film and just, and so that's where kind of the, <laughs> the slasher angle comes in of, this person chopping through this production company that she used to work with. And even my most uh, recent film that I'm working on called uh, Queen of the Dead harkens back to the 1930s horror movies. It's in black and white, and it's a little more gothic than what I've done before. And it's about an author who is basically looking to commit suicide after her most recent book, uh, failed to uh, make any sales but then she starts to notice these people following her and finds that it's, she's being followed around by this uh, crazy cult of Halloween mask wearing uh, people who worship her as if she's a <laughs> goddess <laughs> and and so with that that's been my output over the last few years it's just these very social commentary heavy movies um, which what got me into that was the work of George Romero with like Night of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead which one was about racism and the other one uh, basically the race issues of the 60s and then Dawn of the Dead was more about the consumerist side of what was going on in the 70s with shopping malls because that movie takes place in a shopping mall yeah. <laughs> and so it was stuff like that that kind of got me to want to do horror movies that Harking back to that older stuff while also having a slight bit of a message to it. Because mm -hmm. so, are you finding it hard to really break into the industry? Because I mean, you know, it's it's a good old boys club in, in a sense. Um, you know, it, you got to know somebody. It's about who you know. I mean, you know, are, are you having? Are, are you, what challenges are you facing? Are you seeing from the film industry? Or have you not seen them? Are you, are you actually, you know, being very well uh, welcomed, like welcomed very well into the industry? Yeah, it's, um, how would I put it? As far as, yeah, I would say that there is some resistance in terms of the film industry because, you know, having sent my film work to like festivals or even like say, a website for a big studio then they might allow you to send one of your films in to show it to them there has been some of that resistance because it is a lot of who you know that can get you and that can kind of get your name out there and such and i graduated from my film school about three years ago so since then it's been a bit of a tough road to get up there and kind of break into the studio system or even the independent film system which 
there there are studios that produce independent films and such. So there has been that resistance, and that's where what I've just maintained is to just keep doing what I do and just keep making stuff and putting it out there for people to see and just try to get my uh, name out there. And that's get that awareness. So have you, cause I know you, you put video, you, you do put some of your films on YouTube, correct? If I'm not mistaken, because that's where I've, I've watched them is on YouTube. That is where I put them. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So have you thought about potentially making like maybe a mini series, like a mini horror series where you can produce several, maybe you're already doing this and I don't realize it, but like several videos, you know, almost like a, almost like a YouTube series type of thing where you could put out consistent content like once a week, something like that to where maybe it'll garner even more recognition. I have actually, uh, I have thought about that actually. There was going back to when I graduated from my film school, there was the notion of doing a uh, web series kind of along the lines of a web version of Tales from the Crypt or even going back even further, Tales from the Dark Side, an 80s series uh, that was kind of along the same lines or even the Twilight Zone. And so it was this idea of doing just a bunch of uh, anthology stories that each episode was a new story. And it was just, I had written the first episode, but it was kind of getting to coming up with at least the next couple which would set kind of the formula and the format for the series so that I could send it to other friends of mine to possibly get in on and kind of go, okay, so this is how he's kind of got it set up. So we'll fit that into that uh, bracket, our story, whatever it is. Hmm. And I just haven't had a chance to really go back to it because I've been so focused on making the films I've been making at the moment. But I keep going back to it, though. Um, and I guess also going back to what you asked earlier about advice for, um, young filmmakers, I guess in a way I almost kind of mentioned this, but I would say definitely if you have the means or the drive to, you know, make films, regardless of whether you can or can't get into, you know, the system, definitely, you know, just keep pushing your work out, keep doing what you do, because eventually somewhere along the line, that can definitely be used as a calling card. Maybe not right away, but I feel like eventually it'll add up to something uh, that can help you get your foot in the door. And this is this is kind of off topic, but it's kind of it's still on topic. I think. Have <laughs> you ever, first of all, have you ever watched anime at all? I've, I've seen it a few here and there. Yeah. Like, so they have a horror genre of anime. Like, uh, there's, there's one called Elfin Lied, hmm. or people say, L- L- I don't know, something, the, the way they pronounce Lied, it, it varies from, uh, fandom to fandom, but it's called Elfin, E-L-F-E-N, Lied. You can find episodes on YouTube. Um, it's pretty, oh, nice. go- it's pretty gory. Hmm. Right? I'll have to, uh, I'll check that one out, actually. I haven't heard about that one. I would say, you know... Obviously, you know, a lot of uh, big studios are trying to uh, cash in on the anime stuff, right? So I'm not saying, like, hey, maybe this would be a suggestion where you copy them, but I'm saying, or make one, like, a live action. I'm saying, for example, maybe you can garner some inspiration. Because one thing that I like, um, because our company, Geek Impulse, yeah, we're here, eventually we'll be moving, uh, we'll keep a flagship company here, but we'll move headquarters to Japan, which is Hmm. what I'm in the process of doing right now. It could take another year if it at the at the latest it could take until after the Olympics. However, um, what I find is is that the Japanese, when it comes to their manga and anime, even when it's horror, they they're pretty unique in their storytelling. They they really seem to be very, uh, almost. I mean, there are some that uh, take from others and don't really um, aren't really original, but there are a lot of original stuff that I think maybe you might be able to garner some inspiration from and be actually able to take some of those elements and maybe even put it in to one of your films, which, I don't know, that would probably be a good idea. Most definitely, and uh, I've it's definitely something that I need to look into more because there's, that's not to say there haven't been some 
anime that have had some potential for inspiration or even the biggest one I would have to say is, which is like the granddaddy of them all is, uh, Akira. Yeah. Akira. Yeah. Which I recently rewatched at this theater in downtown Santa Ana, the Frida cinema. Okay. And it's just an amazing movie with the <laughs> images and the, the distortion of, you know, the main character or the secondary character, actually the secondary character's body just, but it morphs with different machine parts or even just like, bits of his arm that just like you know string out and start to join to you know other machine parts and even the biggest thing when he like at the end turns into this just giant blob that's about to explode it's it has these amazing images that just stick with you it's mm-hmm. it's truly it's an amazing flick gotcha see I, I think you had something you wanted to say Steven no no you're good <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, what um? Because I don't. I, I know we probably didn't get into everything, and I would like to, but it is kind of getting late. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um. So maybe to wrap up this podcast, you know, is there any kind of uh maybe Easter eggs from films that you want to tell people about that they might not know? Um. Any kind of other things you want to talk about real quick before we, you know, um. Get, get towards the end of the podcast. Um, I'll leave that up to you. What, what do you think? Um, I would say I can definitely uh, make some quick little recommendations for stuff to see that's come out like in the last few years that I've seen. Okay. Like, honestly, it's been since 2015 that I've started to notice a resurgence in the horror genre that, uh, at least for films worth watching of varying qualities, Something like Crimson Peak uh, from Guillermo del Toro was something that really uh, caught me by surprise when I saw it because, again, movies at the time that were coming out and that a gothic horror movie like that really just uh, took me back to what was coming out before and it just had this level of quality that I just loved. And another movie I would recommend is this film called The Witch, which uh, that makes... Actually, my top five of the scariest movies of all time, actually, the for witch. me. Yeah, there's only five movies <laughs> that have actually done that. So what are, the, what are the five movies? The five movies would be, uh, number one is The Haunting, as I mentioned before. Two would be The Witch. It's another movie that just gets under my skin, both for the sort of depiction of mental illness, as well as this setting in the woods where these witches are torturing this uh, family, not even by getting too close to them, but just like doing things to them, cursing them, kidnapping relative, you know, like kidnapping the youngest member of the family, this baby, and uh, eating it. And so it's a very creepy, unsettling movie that got under my skin when I saw it in theaters three years ago and still does to this day. The other three would be uh, this movie called The Innocence, this British horror movie from the 60s that we're going along on the same lines with uh, mental illness, but basically it's another mentally ill character who's seeing these things in a house. Uh, and she starts to suspect that these two children that she's uh, basically the governess for, she's taking care of them and educating them are evil. And that they have like, uh, they're basically possessed by this ghost of this older man that used to watch over the place. Hmm. Uh, number four would be, uh, the Omen. The Omen. With the little kid, with the little kid Damien. That's that's a really good one. I, I really, I really like. Yeah, that one. it's a really good movie. It's one of my favorites as well. It's one that actually still gets me by surprise. Like when the woman jumps off the uh, ceiling. Or I'm sorry, jumps off the roof and hangs herself. Because it's the kind of movie that I'm always telling myself for some reason she's not going to do it. She's not going to do it. And this is after I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> Every time you're like, she's not going to do it. And then when she does, it's like, oh, shit. So it's it's the kind of movie that it just it gets me every time. I don't know what it is about it. There's just a creepy atmosphere to it, which wraps us up with number five, which is the ultimate in creepy atmosphere. It's, believe it or not, the original Alien. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Like, with that movie, it's just the atmosphere 
of this spaceship with the very like creepy architecture and especially when they get onto the planet where the alien eggs are like it's just it's both an amazing movie to look at and just disturbing to look at at the same time and it's disturbing to have this thing that can get inside you and just you know pop out and it's you know it basically takes the notion of you know female pregnancy and puts it on everybody anybody can give birth to this thing basically and it's it's this it's, yeah. it's a disturbing idea it's and but the biggest thing is it's a haunted house movie where as opposed to other movies where you're constantly telling people to get out of the house you can't just get out of the house because this is a ship in space it's yeah. you're <laughs> stuck there's you're not getting out of that no definitely and the last thing i want to say about alien though is the scene that gets me every single time is this scene with uh, one of the characters going down an elevator shaft looking for the xenomorph and as he's going down each shaft lights the uh, flamethrower and blows it down the hallways and on the other side of it his crew members are all looking on this little uh, reader to see where the xenomorph is coming and when it start, when the thing starts to beep and you see it getting closer you're just getting this sense of like you know it can come on at any moment and finally when he takes you know, he pulls out this flashlight and turns it towards camera and then turns it the other way, away from camera. You see the xenomorph mm. pop out, and that's a scene that always just gets me very tense every time I watch the movie. It's it's kind of got, like, a similar feel to, like, the body snatchers, right? But, the, you know, this actually has something like, you, like you're giving birth to it coming out of you. I think that, I think that's pretty creepy, you know, I... I don't know if, like, I mean, there's all kinds of, I don't want to get into aliens, but there's all different kinds of aliens, I'm sure, if they do exist, where, you know, something like that would be, but you'd always think that maybe they're a bit more omnipotent, right? But, then again. <laughs> Most definitely, and, you know, we've, in movies we've seen all different different kinds, take different shapes, do different things between alien, the thing, or invasion of the body snatchers. So it's it's an interesting presence that can be portrayed in any way and can take a different kind of terror in each film that it's in, basically. Gotcha. All right, man. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. I appreciate you for being on the podcast. Uh, we're definitely going to have to do this again. I don't think we dove into everything we wanted to talk about, but I do appreciate you coming on here. And um, But that being said, one more time, let people know where to find you so that they can, you know, get in touch. Most definitely. Yeah, you can, uh, like I said, you can either check me out at uh, Head of Gore on Twitter. You can also uh, find me on Instagram, JustinHead01. I have a Slasher Films Facebook page. It's specifically called Slasher Films, and in parentheses, it's SLSHR6 was basically a mock uh, channel a station name for that as well okay. and the last place is on uh, YouTube if you look up uh, either slasher films or type in slasher films in my name or specifically jhead uh, sf06 you'll be able to find the channel no problem cool.